Hello, I'm Mark Rako, CEO of Mouth Media Network. We play a role in helping businesses grow and succeed. We produce business-to-business podcasts and podcast-formatted internal communication solutions for enterprise brands. While our studio is fully operational, like many, I'm working and recording this from home. And at this moment in the time of the COVID-19 or coronavirus pandemic, and now national emergency, growing and succeeding in business has become more difficult for almost everybody and a formidable challenge for many business leaders. This is a tough time, and in the spirit of we're all in this together, we at Mouth Media assembled some experts to cover a few key issues business leaders are likely to encounter as a result of the coronavirus emergency. If trying to keep the doors open to a business isn't challenging enough, especially when you don't know how long you're going to have to do it for, considering the productivity, safety, care, morale, profitability of your employees may be even more daunting. To walk you through some crucial human resources concerns, internationally known human resources thought leader from the Silicon Valley and professor at San Francisco State, Dr. John Sullivan joins from the West Coast and Celeste Thompson, chief people officer and founder at Tribe Human Resources Consulting contributes from South Orange, New Jersey. How do you think um, employers need to be handling the realities that the benefits that they provide may not necessarily take care of their employees from a health standpoint or a disability standpoint to the degree that may be necessary in this particular uh, situation we're dealing with, and yet taking care of the employees because so many could potentially be affected might be key to the health of the company. How can they navigate that in terms from even a like a a, a legal standpoint, um, given how it's been outlined? What they, you know, have uh, their agreement of what they provide as benefits, and then knowing that after this crisis is over, they may revert back to other types of benefit provision. Well, there's a natural inclination to say, well, I'll up their benefits or reduce the co-payments. But you also have to be realistic. If these are medium or small-sized businesses, they're hurting. So I work in San Francisco. There are Chinese restaurants that are down 70%, some that are literally closing. So you have to have the resources to do those kind of things. So clearly a Google or someone can can expand their coverage in the short term to cover these kind of catastrophic illnesses. But most small businesses don't cover that. So they would want to, but the resources are just not there in some cases. And even changing insurance policies are not that easy. So... You know, I haven't found many business people actually going that extra step to change the coverage for, uh, you know, the catastrophe that this could be. Um, it might happen in the future, but I haven't seen it yet. John, uh, what would you say right now is the biggest danger that, uh, aside from the actual health crisis itself, that businesses may face from an HR standpoint? Uh does it point more towards, um, you know, a lack of retention or does it point more towards when people do come back to work, a change in the culture of the company? 
or some other things? Recruiting is the biggest issue right now. The unemployment rate is, you know, at a record low, and recruiting is the number one issue in retail. So there are retail organizations that restaurants that can't staff that literally have gone out of business because of recruiting. So if you, with social media, if you treat employees poorly, they'll t- tell other people on Glassdoor and other social media. So they're worried about, you know, can I fill my positions if I have a bad image among potential recruits? And in retail, they all know each other. They all spread the word. So it's quickly known who took care of their employees and who didn't. And that, that will affect recruiting in the future. Well, that's fascinating. Uh, what are some of the other legal implications from an HR standpoint, the, the landmines that might be coming up in this uh, coronavirus situation that uh, wouldn't normally be something that arises that employers should be looking out for? Well, there aren't too many. Most, uh, the federal government does not require sick leave. So it's it's normally a company policy. Um, you know, if someone was disabled because of the disease, they would be covered under the ADA. So you'd have to reasonably accommodate them. But, you know, if someone has this disease, there's really no way to reasonably accommodate them. So I don't, I don't see too many legal landmines. It's more the customers would notice. So retail people know their customers. So if your retail people are telling the customers they're treating me harshly, it'll affect your sales both in the short term and the long term. Gotcha. What uh, would you say is the biggest thing that should be on employers' minds right now, uh, perhaps particularly in service-related businesses? You need to plan for uh, catastrophes. You know, there's likely to be a recession. Uh, there could be other with world travel and things. There's disasters all the time. The weather, politics, you name it. And so, businesses, especially retail, have to be ready for those fluctuations. You have to plan for Amazon kicking your butt, taking your customers. So you can't be steady state, you can't assume yesterday is a good predictor of tomorrow, and you have to start hiring people that uh, handle adversity, handle volatility. What additional liabilities or considerations do you think employers need to make now that they have so many people working from home who aren't usually working from home? Are there different kinds of accommodations that they need to make? Are there... um, does this open up ADA considerations that they didn't have before? Um, what liabilities may be, be taking on that they didn't have before? Well, they certainly do because, you know, uh, offices are designed for ADA, but homes are not. And so you, ha- you have to accommodate, which might mean, you know, five or $10,000. But the other issues are <laughs> when you ask spouses, would you like your other spouse to stay home all day, they they usually say no. And so you might cause divorces. Certainly, uh, there would be distractions, as you said. Uh, not everyone can work alone. It's, it's it, You have to be very disciplined. And in some cases, the equipment is just expensive. The 
privacy. You can't have people on normal telephone lines running data. If I have a computer at home and it's not encrypted, if there's a robbery, they get my data. So you're familiar with all those issues in the retail sector. So there's a multitude of them, but it also attracts people. Uh, you know, the productivity of someone working at home between 30 and 40 percent higher. Uh, the negative is there's really no innovation. So if you look at the large firms like Google, Apple, Facebook, everyone comes to work because they bump into each other, they innovate. Nobody bumps into you when you're at home, so you are productive, but you're not innovative. And in a world where Amazon is dominating, you have to be innovative. You know, look at the good guys and the best buys. They're, they're getting the literally the crap beat out of them. And so innovation to me is the real si signal. You've got to survive in retail. It requires innovation. And there's nothing that hurts innovation more than working at home. So it's like calling into a party. You just can't share the excitement on the yeah. phone. It's not the same. <laughs> and email response rates are slow. People feel isolated after... 18 months, they, they really miss the office in many cases. So they can all be overcome except the innovation part. So that's what I would worry about. If you need innovation, you need people bouncing into each other. So part of what an employer may really want to be thinking about if there's a belief that their employees who need to innovate and need to be thinking about things are going to be working from home for a long time, what can they do to facilitate that quote bumping into? How can you create perhaps virtual networking, or how can you create something that can facilitate as much of that as happening as possible, which will not just help your business, but it could help keep your employees sharp and increase morale? Well, unfortunately, the answer is no one's found that answer. So Best Buy is a great example. They had a program where you essentially could just produce results, and they didn't care where you worked or when you worked. Right. But they eliminated it, even though it increased productivity by 35%, I believe it was, because it killed innovation, and Amazon is an innovation machine. Right. So no one has found the answer. The big firms that I know, they require you to come to work. They build special campuses. You've seen the Apple campus. It's yeah. it's round, so people will bump into each other. So I, I, I don't think there is an answer. If you're going to be innovative, uh, people have to be physically bumping into each other and say, hey, Mark, what are you working on? It's kind of an embarrassment thing. It forces everyone to innovate, and that just doesn't happen at home. And IBM, who was famous for working at home, they sold technology. They, If you know, a year and a half ago, they told all their employees to come to work. Uh, John, last question. If, you, if there was a playbook for businesses on how they can navigate the coronavirus situation, uh, and there was an entry for human resources, what would be the entry you would put in that would be the, the most important thing that you could tell them at this moment? That the world we live in is called VUCA, which is volatile, uh, that you need to plan for catastrophic events like this, like the economy, like the weather. It's a long list. And this is just one of them. So if you're surprised by this, you're going to be in trouble with the other firms like Amazon who seem to have weathered it very well. So it would be take a long-term perspective and plan for disasters and assume they're going to come as opposed to being surprised. 
All right, Dr. John Sullivan, professor, corporate speaker, and advisor and expert in human resources and uh, a professor of management at San Francisco State. Thank you very, very much for your time and insights. I really appreciate it, and I, I wish you uh, safety and, and health. My pleasure. So, Celeste, uh, in general, employers, uh, particularly those that may be having their uh, employees working from home at this time uh, uh, in large part or, or even everybody, what are you hearing right now that employers are thinking about and what should they be thinking about in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis as the dynamics of their business are changing moment by moment? Absolutely. Thanks, Mark. I think right now um, there's there's a really helpful approach um, with regards to combating all that's going on right now. And one of the things I would suggest is uh, companies and leaders creating an emergency task force. And the task force is a great idea because you have a cross-section of subject matter expertise that can really sort of, you know, lend their knowledge to a crisis like this. So, you know, if you created an emergency task force, you could have a cross-section of human resources, obviously for policies, procedures, you know, employment law and, and pay, pay, right? Uh, what can you, what are you supposed to be doing around pay? What's legal? What's not legal? Um, IT, definitely part of that group um, because, you know, if you have a lot of individuals working from home, then you need IT professionals supporting, you know, the bandwidth issues that might come up or, you know, VPN issues and firewalls and things like that. Um, facilities, because they're usually the people who kind of support, you know, where people sit and how they sit and how they're supported in their work. Um, so the facilities teams, I think, could be really helpful in this conversation as well. Um, and then internal and external communications, like not every company has an internal communications team, but even if you have external communication uh, teams like marketing and social media, those guys would be helpful to partner with HR in delivering some sort of communication. And then legal counsel. I think legal counsel is, is obviously going to be really important to sort of have as a partner or thinking partner for this task force. Um, and one other thing I would say, if you're in the manufacturing business, um, you know, producing and manufacturing your own goods, I would say someone from the supply chain area is also helpful to have as part of the emergency task force. Thank you. Now, with uh, so many people working from home, how does that change the dynamics of liability and considerations, even in terms of ADA? Yeah, I mean, as far as people working from home, it's really more about um, less about the ADA and more about best practices, right? And, and having consistency throughout. So if you have, you know, part of your population working from home and the other part is not, then you want to make sure that everyone is treated equally as far as the rules of engagement, you know, how people are assessed, how communication is delivered. Um, because if there's inconsistency there, then your assessment methods may be inconsistent and then create some sort of like inequity or lack of fairness in the future. What about communication right now? Uh, you know, you've you your employees are going through their own stress, their own fears. Mm -hmm. 
Their working environment may have changed dramatically either by the way that they interact with people, uh, the availability of opportunities for meetings, the number of uh, customers coming through, or just where they're working and the fact that they're not interacting with the same people the same way every day. Uh, inspiration comes at them differently. Right. Um, what would you have to say from not just a rally the troops standpoint, but even a um, a responsibility standpoint as an employer, you know, through the HR lens about how you need to think about communicating with your employees? Right, right. I think that's a very important point um, because as, as far as communication, you know, one size doesn't fit all. And if you have teams that are used to communicating face-to-face and then with their clients, internal or external, and then all of a sudden they're dealing with them via email or, or video or some other medium, then there need to be some sort of framework around, you know, how people are communicating, what the frequency is, you know, what the expectation is around that communication. You know, do I need to be on email, you know, respond to email every five minutes as opposed to, you know, once an hour. So those sorts of things are going to be really important as far as what I was sharing earlier and sending out um, communication on sort of rules of engagement or guidelines around working from home and a remote workforce and what that actually means. Let's talk about benefits, particularly health benefits and disability benefits. Coronavirus, this is something that employees could uh, experience by no fault of their own, possibly even from another employee right? Uh, being infected by another employee or from a work situation that their employer put them in. Mm-hmm. And that's not negligence on the part of the employer. They they don't know. But it, the truth is, it was work-related. So where do we start enter into workman's comp? Where do we start entering into employers having a responsibility to increase the coverage for their employees? Uh, just Just if nothing else, just to make sure that their employees can get back to working productively faster? It may be an investment in them or whatever. Um, can you can you talk about some of the considerations about um, uh, be- benefit yeah. responsibilities and tactical decisions? Right, and I mean, look, this is depending upon the size of the company. This can be hugely impactful financially. So there is, you know, first and foremost, what is the company's culture and what's their philosophy around? pay and pay time off. That's going to really dictate what their decision-making is like around something like this. You know, let's talk about the two different types of workers. You have non-exempt, which are hourly, and then you have exempt, who are are salaried employees. So the non-exempt workers are really going to be impacted greatly. For example, if you say, you know, if you're sick, don't come to work. So if I'm sick and I don't come to work, then I'm not going to get paid for the time that I'm not actually at work differently from someone who's salaried, who will still continue to receive their pay. If in fact they stay home sick, um, the hourly person, yes, could take a sick day, but they, they have no option of sort of working from home. So I think, um, you know, as far as bolstering, you know, employee morale and, and, you know, workplace morale and, and perpetuating, you know, good cultures, I think it's in the best interest of the company to at least offer as much paid time off 
or individuals who might be impacted in these situations. So for example, if you have you know, a five-day, six-day policy per year, you can say during this emergency and during this crisis, we're extending that to 10 days. So if in fact, you know, someone is sick, they can actually stay home and get paid for that time. And like I said, it can be a financial burden on companies, but, you know, in the long run, it will really be in the best interest. Um, With the salaried employees, though, you know, so let's say, for example, we have the same scenario, you know, please don't come to work if you're sick or you can work from home. You know, if, if work stops or slows down for that individual's department or function, then, you know, do I still get paid if I work? five hours a day or, you know, maybe 10 hours a week, even, am I still going to get my, you know, full pay? Um, So I say, I would say case by case basis, you know, sometimes it's important to communicate to the masses, but it's also important to look at each situation individually and analyze and assess them. So you can make more of those, I would say, broad stroke decisions in the long run. Let's talk messaging and, and sort of positioning. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a an employer may have to make some very, very tough strategic decisions to keep the business alive and moving forward in the face of new challenges. Uh, there's going to be transportation challenges. There's going to be supply chain challenges. There's going to be um, just customer foot traffic challenges, right. whatever they are, right? Um, how would you suggest an employer approach this with their employees from a a messaging standpoint that doesn't make the employer seem insensitive and realizing that in a world of chaos right now, or to some people, what may seem like chaos, their employer may be one of the few um, consistent, potentially consistent things that they have. And if the employer looks like they're, they're, they're changing too much that make things look shaky, even though what the employer is really doing is trying to make sure they still have a job tomorrow. Uh, it, it's going to, it's going to create more fear and more unrest and that affects morale and ultimately productivity, retention, and all those things. So any thoughts on that? I mean, yeah, I think communication is king. You know, um, I come from highly communicative backgrounds. And the more you communicate in a collective messaging, it's, it's, it's so important to morale and culture. And I think if, in fact, at the top of the conversation, I talked a little bit about creating an emergency task force, right? So you have this group of people who you now have educated around pay practices and HIPAA laws and all of those different things that might come up from an individual. You can have sort of like a town hall format that you host on a biweekly basis, let's say, for example. So you're communicating the state of the union around what the company's positioning and practices are, what they're really, you know, concerned about at this time. And then you can also hear from the community. You know, you could create sort of a um, an in-mail where people can send questions ahead of time. And so the team is prepared in answering those questions. But I think the communication and transparency always is going to enhance any sort of um, morale during a time like this. All right, Celeste, uh, one one last question. If there was a playbook that we could hand to employers, to businesses and business leaders that could help them successfully or as successfully as possible 
navigate through uh, this coronavirus crisis. Uh, and there was an entry for human resources considerations. What would your entry be that you think would be the most valuable? Yeah, I think my top five, maybe it's six things. It's actually creating the task force and educate that group, um, sending out communications on a regular basis, whether that's, you know, uh, verbally or or written or both. Um, sharing some guidelines around social distancing, because we all have norms depending upon what cultures we come from. So what might be normal distancing for one may not be distancing for another. So I think sharing those guidelines is really helpful. I would say develop an emergency work from home procedures handbook or something, guidelines, again, framework for all of the employees to follow. Um, and have, you know, a, a, a team of people who they can come to with questions. Um, and then I would, would really think about, you know, your paid time off policy and, and try to assess that and maybe abridge it for the hourly workforce and, and others during this time. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, Celeste Thompson, the Chief People Officer and Founder at Tribe Human Resources Consulting. Uh, I'm grateful for you taking some of your time. Please uh, be safe and be well out there. You too, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. I hope there was value in this podcast episode, which you can take to your business. We'd love to know your feedback and anything else you'd like to hear about. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and on Twitter at Mouth Media Shows. You can also find us at MouthMediaNetwork.com. For now, a big thank you to all of the experts who have joined us on this podcast series. And from all of us at Mouth Media, we hope you will be safe, healthy, and that you and your business will weather this health emergency successfully. I'm Mark Rako. This podcast is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2020, all rights reserved. The opinions heard may not necessarily represent those held by Mouth Media Network, open source business, or anyone associated. Mm-hmm.